0: I want to talk this morning about the blood. This is not a popular topic in many churches today. And when you talk about blood, people think about, oh, it's gory and it's, and it's, 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 uh, nobody wants to think about blood, Uh, you know, the side of blood, all of that. And yes, it is gory it is. It's absolutely gory. There's probably about ten sermons at least I can get out of what I'm going to share with you this morning, but I had to narrow it down to our window of time. But I want to read some from the Old Testament to give you an idea. Leviticus chapter 17 Leviticus chapter 17 verse number 10 it says this, this is the Lord talking, I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. I want you to notice those last two statements. God said, I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar, and then it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. God's words were very clear to the Israelites on just how important the blood was. God let them know that the purpose for the blood was to make atonement for their sins And for animals that were not used in the sacrifice but for food, the blood would be drained out and buried. In Leviticus 17, 13, you'll find that. What exactly is atonement? The word atonement is from the Hebrew word word, kippurim from kephar, meaning to cover over. To cover over. The idea is to cover over sin by making an equivalent payment. Or a ransom. To cover over sin by making an equivalent payment or a ransom. In Exodus chapter 30 and verse number 10. Once a year Aaron, who was the high priest, shall make atonement on its horns. The annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. If sins were not atoned for, then uh, they would be subject to the wrath of God. In Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 30, Because on this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you, then before the Lord you will be clean from all your sins. So without the atonement, they could not be cleansed from their sins. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, talking about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all, everybody say all, all all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them the purpose of the annual day of atonement was to provide a sacrifice for all sin uh, for all sin that might not have been atoned for in the sacrifices during the past year This resulted in the people being cleansed from their sins to keep away God's wrath and it allowed them to continue to be in fellowship with God. The annual day of atonement was the most important holy day of the Jewish year. The high priest would bathe himself with water, dress in sacred garments, and then offer a bull for his own sin before he would go in and make the offering and the sacrifice for the other sin. Can you drink of water, Natalie, please? Thank you. He would then take two goats and cast lots. One would become the sacrifice and the other would be the scapegoat. The sacrificial goat would be killed and its blood taken to the most holy place which was behind the curtain. He would then sprinkle its blood on the atonement cover which which placed the blood between God and the tablet of the law which was inside the Ark of the Covenant which would make atonement for the entire nation. The final step would be for him to take the live goat or the scapegoat and lay hands on, lay his hands on its head and confess over it all the unforgiven sins of all the Israelites and send it into the desert. This was symbolic of the sins of the nation that would be carried away to to be disappeared in the desert. In preparation for the Day of Atonement, the people would fast and they would humble themselves before the Lord. And they took the matter of sin seriously because God's atonement was effective only for those who had a repentant heart. It had to be repeated year in and year out in order for the forgiveness to be there, for them to be cleansed and have right standing with God, which would, which would show the need that there needed to be something that was more permanent than what would have to happen every year. At the Passover, thank you, at the Passover, the last supper of Jesus with his disciples, in Matthew chapter 26, and verse number twenty-six. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said it, he said it, he gave it to them, and saying, Drink from it all of you. This is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus would then be arrested and taken before Pilate. And in Matthew 27, verse 12, it says, When he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. <coughs> then Pilate asked him, Do you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Down to verse 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and our children. Verse number 26, Matthew 27. He then released Barabbas to them, But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers were then gonna mock Jesus. In verse twenty-seven, chapter Matthew twenty-seven. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Verse 32 of Matthew 27. They were going out. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, where they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. He was not talking about the literal temple, he was talking about the temple of his body. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross. We will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, laba sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you... Forsaken me. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling to Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on the staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. In verse 51 of Matthew 27, it says this, At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The very curtain that we talked about when the high priest would go from the holy place behind the curtain into the most holy place. That's where he would go. That curtain was torn all the way from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him were guarding, Jesus saw the earthquake. And all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ came as a high priest, note, he came as a high priest. Of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place, and he's not talking about the place that was behind the curtain in the temple. He's talking about the most holy place in the heavenly realms. Once for all, by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Church, I want you to catch the significance that Jesus said that his blood was the covenant of of redemption, of salvation that he brings, that he didn't bring just his blood into the temple because any offering which was the animal sacrifice that would go into the most holy place would have to be redone year after year after year after year but after Jesus died on the cross he became the perfect sacrifice and he presented into the ultimate most holy place, the very realm of heaven right at the throne of God, he presented his blood for eternal redemption as a perfect permanent sacrifice that would do the job once and for all, never having to do it again, never having to have another sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial and clean sanctify them so they are outwardly clean. get this church, They're outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? How much more does the blood of Christ cleanse us from the inside out when the old sacrifice could only do from the outside in. It only covered. But the new covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ, has washed away has cleansed us from the acts that lead to death so that what so that we may serve the living god for this reason Christ is the mediator he is the go between. Jesus said it this way I am the bread of life. He said, I am the door. No man comes to the Father except by me. You don't get to God unless you go through Jesus Christ. There's not many ways to God, my friend. There is not your way and my way and this way and that way and, and uh, my truth is right and everybody else's is wrong. There is one truth and His name is Jesus. And the only way to the Heavenly Father is to go through the mediator, which 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 is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Aren't you glad that you have a promised eternal inheritance? If you've ever received an inheritance, perhaps someone has left you something and everybody's waiting for that rich uncle, I know, right? <laughs> if you've ever been left an in inheritance, the inheritance comes because someone died. Because Jesus died and he was the sacrifice, then you have an eternal inheritance that is far better than anything that you could inherit in this world. I believe we must live our lives so that we live them in such a way that we have eternity in perspective. Because this isn't all that there is. There's more yet to come after this life. And if you are a child of God, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then your inheritance is eternal. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Hebrews 9, chapter, 24, uh, chapter 9, verse 24 says this, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. How many know that the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of the New Testament? The things that you see in the temple are a foreshadow of how it is in heaven. So the most holy place was a foreshadowing of the most holy place in heaven. He didn't enter that place made with human hands, but he entered heaven itself now to appear for us. For us in God's presence. For us, for you, for me. That's how important and relevant you are. That's how, how much worth that you have that he died for us. John 3.16 said that, that, that Jesus died so that we could have eternal life. God sent his son into the world so that the world would be saved. And he loved us so much. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world because he is eternal. But he has appeared once for, all at, the, for at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. I want you to realize what this verse is saying, church. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would watch intently for the high priest to emerge from the sanctuary to make atonement. They were eagerly waiting because they wanted to be reassured that their sins and the offering had been covered over. that The sin had been covered over and that the offering had been accepted by God. And in the same way, we as believers know that Jesus has entered into the heavenly realms as our mediator, as our advocate, and as we eagerly wait with great anticipation. We long for His reappearing to appear because He's bringing our salvation to a complete fulfillment when we meet Him in the air, when He comes back for His children. He's bringing the ultimate salvation to us when we see Him in the air. We have salvation from our sins, but we won't have to deal with sin anymore when we meet Him in the air. In John 4, 3, Jesus said this, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. We as believers who have the blood of Jesus that has washed our sins away, never to be remembered against us again, we who have accepted Him, as our mediator, as our savior, as our soon coming king. We have the promise that he said he is going to prepare a place for us. It's going to be a place that is more, more beautiful than any place that we've ever seen. Anything that we've ever experienced. This was the hope of New Testament Christians and is still the hope of us today. Church, he's coming back and it will be very soon. Was talking with a young lady at work the other day. She's very young, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were talking about age, and uh, and she's you know she's, she talked about how you know nowadays uh, there's a lot of people that live to a hundred. She said, you know, in our technology. and I said, well, how many do you know? <laughs> yeah. How many people do you know that live to be a hundred? Yeah. Uh, there's a few. I mentioned before that a few times um, that um, probably about ten years ago, and Ned and I were sitting out on the front porch and talking. And she made a profound statement I'll never forget. She does that pretty frequently. She said, you know, if we live to be old, we've already lived half our lives. I shared shared that with the the young lady at work. I said, you know, I'm I'm not middle-aged. If you think you're 50 and you're middle-aged you're wrong unless you live to a hundred but you could you could be middle-aged the fact is is you could be 30 and be middle-aged because you don't know your future we don't know um, You know, things happen to us for a reason. I worked with a lady one time who decided she was going to get all fit. And so she started exercising, working out, and getting in shape. And she was doing a really great job. She went to the doctor one day and she came back to work and she was in a daze. She'd just turned 40 and she said i just found out that i'm pregnant <laughs> and this wasn't supposed to happen because she had a teenage stepson and she had a teenage she had a teenage son and a teenage stepdaughter and had had things to done to prevent this from happening and it happened and she said I'll be 58 years old when this child gets out of high school. But everything happens for a reason. There was a there was a funny there was a funny Super Bowl commercial a few years ago where it talked about people who I'm eighty-five and I want to go home. It was an e-trade commercial. People who the, the the thing was is there's people out still still in the workforce that really don't want to be in the workforce, but they are because they need to be. And it showed these people that were in their 80s and some of them looked probably a hundred, and had like, you know, a surgeon with a with a little saw about to do an operation, you know, an old guy like that. A fireman that's 85 years old, he turns on the hose and it just swings him everywhere, you know, <laughs> just different funny things like that. And we can laugh at that, you know. You got a, 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 guy, a guy on a, uh, a scooter, uh, you know, that's in his 80s going through and he's like in charge of the IT department. just walking through and telling people, you know. And it's just, it was funny. But the reality is, None of us know how long we have. He's going to call for us one day. We look forward to the trumpet call of God when the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says to comfort each other with these words because it is a comfort. But for us to know the blood of Jesus Christ has applied to our hearts and our lives. Whatever time that we have left, let's give it to Him. It's only possible because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He washes our sins away never to be remembered against us again. And we can only escape God's judgment and wrath for our sins when we accept the free gift of salvation and we believe in Him and we are set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in John 8, 34, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, S-O-N, sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free. Not bound by anything else. But the blood of Jesus Christ sets you free. The blood in the Old Testament could not set them free. It could just temporarily keep them from getting God's wrath and God's judgment but the blood of Jesus Christ when we accept it, that free gift it is the gift that keeps giving into our lives so that we can share with others as well, that washes our sins away, never to be remembered against us again It's a difficult concept for us to understand, especially in a world where people keep track of your wrongs and keep track of the things that you've done wrong. And sometimes they bring those things back up into conversation. You'd like to forget the mistakes that you've made. You'd like to forget the blunders that you've made. But there's usually somebody out there that is more than happy to let you know that you were a failure, you were messed up, and that that, who do you think you are? But let me tell you today, Jesus keeps no record of wrongs that when you are forgiven, you are free. Not just at that moment, but you are free indeed. It is set loose from everything in your past, never to be held against you again. You are free indeed. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. By his blood. How many have ever had a child or a pet or something like that get caught on something and you had to go set them free. I remember Journey was climbing in Natalie's car, her toy car. We have Natalie's little toy car that is, you sit in it and you drive, you know, it's like a Fred Flintstone kind of job. You pedal, your, you you walk your feet and the car moves kind of thing. And she was trying to get in there in a different way, and she got caught, and Annette said, Let's get her because she's, you know, caught there, and to leave her there could have hurt. But she wasn't going to get out by herself. We can't get out of sin by ourselves. We can't. We need the freedom that His blood brings to Him glory and power forever and ever amen amen are you washed in the blood the soul cleansing blood of the land are your garments spotless are they white as snow they can never be spotless or white as snow without the blood of Jesus Christ but with the blood of Jesus Christ Christ you're clean, you're pure, you're righteous, you have right standing with God. None of those things will ever be remembered against you again. We have a hope because of the blood. Would you bow with me? Father, I thank you today for the blood of Jesus Christ. For it's the blood that washes our sins completely away, never to be remembered against us again. It is the precious blood that we read about that spilled down the cross, the blood that was that was created when stripes were placed upon your back, the crown of thorns mashed down into your head, and <sighs> the nails that pierced your hands and your feet. Every drop of blood was so precious and Lord you presented it to the heavenly father in the most holy place as a perfect sacrifice for our sins never to be remembered against us again and all we have to do is to receive the free gift and Lord we do that today Lord, if there are those here, or those that are watching or listening, that haven't made that commitment, maybe they think that they have to make things right before they can be right, which is what the enemy wants us to think, Lord, Lord, I pray that they will realize that it's not making things right to be right, it is accepting your free gift from the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ that will make us right and cleanse us, make us right with God and nothing else and no one else. I thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus.